Hello, listeners. Welcome to our English podcast titled "What Do You Think," where we will be talking about and expanding on the subject of the discrimination of Japanese Canadians in Canada during the World War One era. Before we get started, let us introduce ourselves. My name is Spring, and I'm a Grade Ten IB student at Arendelle Secondary School. And my name is Milena, and I'm also a Grade Ten IB student at Arendelle Secondary School. Okay. We did some digging on this very interesting subject through men, multiple media texts. First off, we watched a documentary called "Rootsu" about David Suzuki and his experience in Canada. We also listened to a podcast called "The Secret Life of Canada" and read a short essay that helped us delve further into David Suzuki's life. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Milana, what would you say that your thoughts are on the documentary? Did it influence you in any way? Of course, Spring. So personally,、um, after watching the documentary, it made me realize a few things.、Uh, first of all, Japanese Canadians were discriminated against in so many ways. In the documentary, David Suzuki mentions how his first interaction with discrimination was from other Japanese kids, which I find to be really ironic, since he came from a long line of Japanese descendants. About discrimination came from the other Japanese kids. I couldn't speak Japanese. Most of the kids my age all had parents who came from Japan, so they were fluently bilingual, and they'd flip from English to Japanese, and I didn't understand. So they beat me up all the time. <laughs> Second of all, it made me think of how important it is for children to know their ancestors' languages.、Uh, My parents are Bulgarian and Belarusian, and I know both of their languages due to constant practice and many, many reminders.、Uh, it really gets annoying sometimes. But without knowing these languages, I wouldn't be able to communicate with my grandparents and great grandparents. So I can only imagine the struggle that David Suzuki had to go through when he couldn't communicate with his elders. Yeah, personally,、um, I didn't really learn my language that well either. Like, I find it kind of tough when my relatives talk to me too. Oh, so can you talk to your grandparents? Yeah, I could, but I'm just not not the best at it. Like I can't read and write that well, especially. Oh, yeah, the struggle. So, spring. Oh,、uh, what did the podcast, the secret, the secret life of Canada, make you think about? Um, because that was the second piece of uh media text that we went through. So, did you make any connections to it? Uh, or did you resonate more with the documentary or essay? Oh、uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I feel like it's really interesting how this part of Canadian history is really like hidden away, since we're not really like we don't really learn about this anywhere, and like not many people know about what happened to the Japanese in Canada, and it's pretty surprising after like finding out what happened to them, and now we're like taught a lot about the treatment towards the indigenous peoples in our country, but not really what happened to the Japanese people. That's so true. No one really knows what happened when the Japanese came here. This personally is the first I'm hearing of it. <laughs> yeah, that's the same for me. Well, in Rutsu, the fact that David David Suzuki's first experience of racism was from the Japanese kids, like you said, well, it's it's quite bizarre that that actually happened. Yeah, like imagine your own race picking on you for not knowing a language that. Well, it's not like you get a say in which languages you learn, right? Yeah, exactly. It's your own kind. Yeah. Quite surprising. Also, 
culture can get lost throughout the generations since people start to disregard it. And both Suzuki and Tamo both talk about not being really involved with it as children. I feel like it can get like lost the further the generations go. Yeah, because parents don't necessarily know the language as good as their grandparents or their parents. And then as the long line, as you go down the line of people uh, from, their an- from your ancestors, language can get lost in different traditions and cultures too. Yeah. Also, I feel like it's weird that Canada is considered such a peaceful country, right? And then there was like anti-Asian riots back in the day and no- barely anyone knows about that. Oh, yeah. Did you hear about the Asiatic Exclusion League? Here's a part of the Secret Life of Canada podcast where they talk about the Asiatic Exclusion League. All of this encouraged an undercurrent of anti-Asian sentiment that led to the 1905's hit hate group, the Asiatic Exclusion League. I'm not making this up. That is actually what they were called. Yeah, that was just, that's insane. I I never heard of it before that. Imagine, how long must Canada have kept all this secret so that people only start learning about it now? I mean, we're in grade 10. Yeah, and that brings me to my next point, actually. Like, there can be so many more pieces of Canadian history just like this that are, like, hidden away. And it shows how, like, the country is known as a peaceful country at the same time. So it shows how things can get overgeneralized sometimes. Very true. I agree with you on that one. Okay, so can you relate to any of the content we learned? Because there's Uh, a lot. It is a lot. We went through um, an essay, a podcast, and a documentary. Um, Well, personally, uh, I related probably the most to either the podcast or the documentary. Personally, the podcast left me feeling very upset. Because, as you said, Canada claims to be such a fair and diverse country that accepts everyone. And so many people immigrate from their countries here in search of a better life. And yet they discriminated back then against anyone who didn't look like them and who thought they thought that couldn't assimilate with their culture. Like, how unfair and how biased does a country have to be to do something like that to a race of people? Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I think they probably thought they were trying to steal their businesses and jobs or something like that. Yes, that's another big thing. Lots of people thought that the Japanese, when they arrived, that the fact that they would accept low wages would mean that Canadians fighting for higher paid jobs and better working conditions would lose those jobs because of the amount of Japanese and other uh, Asian and European people that came uh, because they would have no problem working in such conditions. Yeah, I think they kind of looked at it like competition instead of like everybody in that place should work together. Yeah. And yeah, the essay, when I read it, it made me feel really lucky too, because although um, I practice that my parents' languages a lot, nonstop, um, it still made me feel very lucky because I have the ability to talk to my grandparents and who still live overseas and I don't get to see them that often but I can still connect with them I can still communicate uh we can still talk to each other normally and David Suzuki not knowing how to uh speak Japanese it really hit home with me because I don't know what it would be like not to be able to talk to my family my parents my grandparents it's it's really scary 
yeah it's like you can't even connect with your past because you were probably like you either your parents don't teach you or you refuse to learn and it's I don't know it's a little bit sad sometimes yeah well I think that's most of the points so thank you guys for listening to this episode of what do you think and we hope you learned something about the discrimination of Japanese Canadians during World War One. bye spring bye The sources used and mentioned in this podcast are the documentary Rutsu featuring Tamo Campos and David Suzuki, the David Suzuki essay Ancestors, the Genetic Source, and the episode Where is Japantown from the Secret Life of Canada podcast series.